Let's say it together. One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So we are in this series on, uh, on prayer and worship, and we're continuing it today. And Jesus gave us uh, this prayer as a model prayer. And if you're new to Destiny, I, I want to welcome you here today. I want to thank you for being here. My name is Pastor Matt. I'm the pastor here at Destiny Church. And at Destiny, we believe that God has a plan, a purpose, a divine destiny for your life. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. And so at Destiny Church, we're all about living out the purpose that God created us for. And what we see in Scripture is that God wants to have a relationship with us. God wants to be in relationship to you, his creation. In fact, God designed you in such a way that you could relate to him. You see, the rest of creation cannot relate to God in the way that we as humanity can as God's image bearers. Uh, a, a horse or a cat or a dog or a monkey or a tree cannot relate to God in a personal way the way that you and I can because we were designed by God not only to relate with him, but to have him alive on the inside of us. And so uh, through worship and through prayer, these are some of the avenues that God has given humanity to connect with God, to have a relationship with God. And it's our desire through the summer as we spend time focusing on worship and prayer is that your relationship with the Lord, your walk with the Lord would be growing would be deeper, would be uh, vibrant and alive. Amen. How many of you have ever been in a relationship that died? Amen. It could, I mean, it didn't, it didn't have to be a marriage. It could be uh, a friendship uh, or maybe you had, you had some coworkers and you left the job and when you left, the relationship died. How many of you have had a relationship die but you still are in physical proximity to the other people. That's the worst, right? Where at once it was alive, at once there was some spark there of connection and now it's gone and dead. Our relationship with God should not be like that. Where yeah, at one time it was alive, yeah, at one time I, I had some goosebumps and I said a prayer and thank you Jesus. No, it, it's to be this, this relationship that's active, that's growing, that's alive each and every single day. Amen. And so that's what prayer is about. It's about us drawing into God's presence and him drawing us up into himself and us meeting with him. So uh, Jesus, he gave us the Lord's Prayer as a model prayer to pray. He taught his disciples to pray this way. And so we've been taking some time going through, praying this prayer, and learning about what the words of this prayer mean not to just recite the words but to really offer up these petitions to the Lord from our hearts and so 
Two weeks ago, I issued a little bit of a challenge. I said, I challenged you to pray the Lord's Prayer every day, either by yourself or with your family, if you have a family. Now, last week, I asked you, how did that go? And none of you responded. All of you forgot that I had issued that challenge. And in fact, several of you came to me and said, you didn't tell us that last week. And so I went and I looked on the Facebook Live video and I did, I did say that two weeks ago. Video evidence. So, uh, two weeks ago I issued the challenge. The first week nobody did it because nobody remembered. The second, last week I kind of made a big deal about everybody forgetting that I had given the challenge. And so I'm hoping that this week because I made such a big deal about it that some people at least remembered to pray the Lord's Prayer this week. If you remembered to pray the Lord's Prayer this week one time, would you raise your hand? Hey, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Some people remembered something I said. Miracles happen. God is on the throne today. Five times. Did any, anybody hit all seven days? Hey, let's give the Lord a hand clap. That's awesome. Praise God. If you hit all seven days, you beat me. Glory to God. Um, one day this week, I was flat on my back, sick in bed, and I forgot. I mean, I prayed, oh God, I'm in pain. But other than that, uh, I didn't make it through the Lord's Prayer per se, but hopefully I will be able to do that uh, this week. So that's what we're endeavoring to do. We're endeavoring to, to use this as a model prayer that this is a, a pathway, it's like a well-worn path that we don't have to stray off and, and find our way through, um, you know, uncharted territory. That this is a well-worn path that we can follow to connect with God, to grow in our relationship with God. And G Jesus gave this to us as a gift. Uh, so I want to briefly, before we get to uh, the, the portion we're going to be at today, I want to briefly walk you through the first three petitions that we've covered. There's six petitions or requests in this prayer, and we've walked through three of them. As a recap this morning, um, if you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, this is where we find the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6. And then I want to walk you through the three uh, petitions that we've been through already. So the first one was uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And that is that we would treat God with the highest honor and that we would set him apart as holy in our lives. That we would ask God to help us put him in that first place, that he would be holy, separated, number one priority in our lives. Second is that God's kingdom would come. And when we, we talked a little bit last week about the, the kingdom of God and, and what a kingdom is, and that a kingdom is the place where a king rules and reigns. And so as we invite God's kingdom or we request for God's kingdom to come in our lives, what we're saying is, God, that you would help me submit to your rule and to your reign first in my life and then that it would spread out from there. So, Lord, that I would submit to you as king, to your rule and your reign, to your word. Lord, that my family, that your kingdom would come into my family. Lord, into my neighborhood, into my community, my city, my state, our nation, our world. God, that our world would submit to your rule and to your reign. 
but let it start with me. The third petition, the third request, is that God's will would be done. That we would align our will with God's will. And again, it's first starting with me. Not God that my neighbor would submit to your will. Lord, that your will would be done in my boss and that he would, you know, give me a raise, which I know is your will, God. No, but Lord, it would start with me. And so that's me aligning my will with God's will. That's me saying, God, I want your will more than my will to be done. And Lord, let your will be done in my family's life. Let your will be done in my children's life. Let your will be done in my wife's life. Let your will be done in my neighbor's life. Let your will be done in our community, in our city, our state, our nation, and our world. But let it start with me. And so the first three petitions, the first three requests have to do with God's position, with God's place of really this word preeminence that he would be number one, that he would be above all else, that his greatness, his holiness, his glory would be at the top in my life. And then after that, the next three requests have to do with our personal needs. And this prayer, this model prayer, it is an invitation. It's an invitation from you to God, that you invite God into your life. You invite him into move in your life and it's not only asking god to move but it's asking god to move you that we would be the people of god expanding the kingdom of god doing the will of god making his name great and holy in our world today through us his church now the next three petitions they do have to do with our personal needs now many of many of you probably when you think about prayer you think about bringing your personal needs to the Lord God this is what I need today this is what I need this year this is what I need this month God you see my bank account and you see my bills this is what I need can you fill in the gap for me this month that would be great our, us bringing our needs our petitions to the Lord and there's certainly a place for that and so the next three prayers, the next three requests have to do with us bringing our personal needs to the Lord. And the first one, the one that we're going to look at today, is give us today our daily bread. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, what a curious statement. What a curious, right? God, your kingdom would come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that your name would be hallowed. And would you give me today my daily bread? It seems like there's a little bit of a, a disconnect. You know, that seems, you know, that asking, requesting daily bread, that seems like something more that you would ask the waiter at Olive Garden than something you would ask Almighty God. Right? That God would give you bread? Um, you know, this is not, I'll be honest with you, this is not a difficult request for me to pray because I love bread. I absolutely love bread. I mean, very few things in this life bring me as much happiness as hot bread. Can I get an amen? In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to cut bread from my diet because I eat it too much. And if you eat too much bread, you end up looking like a loaf of bread. And so I've I'm trying to cut back on the bread consumption.
But the wonderful thing about bread is there's so many good ways to eat it, right? The garlic bread that you get at an Italian restaurant, mm, loaded with that garlic butter, and it's hot, and it's yummy, and it's delicious. What about like a, a nice dinner roll with some butter on it, right? Mm. What about a biscuit with some honey? What about a hot donut? You ever have a donut that just came right out of the fryer? Man. We're in San Antonio, so any Pandulce fans out there, right? Come on. And, and what about the most heavenly bread that's known to man? The flour tortilla. I mean, come on. Can we give the Lord praise for flour tortillas today? Glory, hallelujah. Put some, you can put anything on a flour tortilla, and it's delicious. It makes, flour tortillas make life better. Bread makes life better. I should get a t-shirt that says, I love bread. I mean, I love bread. Bread is incredible. It's delicious. But what does it mean to ask God to give us our daily bread? What is it that Jesus is telling us to ask God for? Is there more to what he's saying? Yes, there is. Now, think about, um, think about the audience that Jesus is talking to here. Jesus is talking to, uh, these, everybody he's talking to is Jewish. They're all Jewish. And if you talk to a Jewish person in the first century about daily bread, can anybody think about what they might remember from their personal history, their national history? Manna. Right. Right. Jesus here is, he's pointing back to something that happened in the nation of Israel the people of God, something that happened in their national history some 1,500 years prior. To, to really get a sense of what Jesus is teaching his disciples and that he's teaching us, you have to go all the way back to the second book of the Bible in the Old Testament, and it's the book of Exodus, chapter 16. And in the book of Exodus, God did something incredible. God did something incredible in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, we see that God's people, the people of Israel, the people of Israel are enslaved in Egypt. They're enslaved in Egypt. They're in captivity. The whole nation is working as a race of slaves to the Egyptians. And God raises up a man, a prophet named Moses, to go and deliver his people from slavery and from captivity. And through miracle after miracle, God delivers his people. He sets them free from slavery. He sets them free from bondage. He sets them free from captivity. And God's plan was to take his people from captivity and to bring them into a promised land, a, a land that the Bible says was flowing with milk and honey. Now, that sounds like the best faucet in the world. One side milk, one side honey. What more could you ask for? All right, uh, just, just so much provision. So, it's just a land that is so wealthy and wonderful and prosperous. And God had promised to give this land, this plot of land to a man named Abraham. God had made a covenant with him. God had made a promise with him. 
And so God is making good on his promise. He's leading his people, the descendants of Abraham, the Israelites, he's leading them out of captivity and into this land of promise. Now between the land of promise and the land of captivity, there was something called the wilderness, the desert, a place of barrenness, a place of lack. And God's people, God led his people all the way to this place of prosperity, this land of promise. But because of their unbelief, because they, they chose not to believe in God, they were not able to enter into the promised land. Instead, they wandered in this wilderness for 40 years until eventually a new generation rose up and God led them into this land of prosperity. Now, in the 40 years that they were in the desert, that they were in the wilderness, that they were in the place of no provision, God miraculously supplied provision for his people in the midst of the wilderness. Because God was committed to his people, and, and even though they had fallen short, and even though they had not trusted in him, God still had made a promise to them that he was going to provide for them. And so God miraculously, daily, poured out bread that came down from heaven. And so if you were an Israelite, you would wake up in the morning, you would walk outside your tent in the desert, and on the ground there would be bread. Now that sounds pretty awesome, right? I mean, when I wake up, I come down and I have to get my Cheerios or my, you know, corn pops and... Uh, you know, Raisin Bran or whatever, some toast, some Eggo waffle to get my bread. But they walked outside and the land was covered with this bread from heaven. And they even tell us what it tasted like. They said it tasted like uh, wafers made with honey. Now that just sounds amazing. A little cracker with some honey on there. Bread from heaven. Daily. Now, what ended up happening uh, is that they would gather this bread in and they were to bring in enough for the day, enough bread for the day, every single day. And what God did with Israel in the Old Testament is a picture, is a type, is a foreshadowing of what God was going to do for humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. And so what God did for Israel uh, in the desert, Jesus is still doing for us today. You see, Jesus has set us free, amen? While we were not enslaved to Egypt, we were enslaved to Satan, sin, death, and hell. But Jesus Christ through the cross has set us free. If you are in Christ today, you are a new creation. You are free from the power of Satan. You are free from the power of sin. It has been broken in your life. You are free from even death, Jesus says. Jesus says, if whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That there is this resurrection coming for those who believe in Jesus. Jesus has set us free, just as God set the Egyptians free from slavery. Jesus has set us free from sin. And he's also leading us to a land of promise. The kingdom of God on the earth for all eternity. Heaven. Eternally in God's presence together 
provision, wiping away every tear from our eye. There will be no more night. The glory of God will fill our lives. No more sickness, no more pain, no more death. This is the place that he's leading us to. Now, what stands between where he's taken us from and where he's taking us to? A wilderness. Welcome to the wilderness, folks. That's where we are today. We're in the place between the, the, the promised land. We're in the place between uh, slavery and entering into that rest fully, finally, and eternally. We are in a wilderness. We are passing through. We're in a place that's oftentimes confusing. We're not in a place that is our home. The world is not our home, amen? We're citizens of God's kingdom. And we're passing through. We're on our way. We're making our way through. But in this wilderness that we have to walk through, what Jesus is teaching his disciples is that we need to look to God for our daily provision. We need to look, as God's people, we need to look to God to meet our daily needs. Just as Israel was dependent upon God to take care of them, we too are dependent upon God to take care of us. And what God did for his people then, he will do for his people now. What God did for his people then, he will do for his people now. God will supply your daily needs. Amen. God is our provider. The Bible tells us that God is our provider, that everything we have is a gift from God. Everything, all of it. I want to remind you of James chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. What that means is that God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't change. What God did for his people then, he'll do for his people now. God doesn't change. You don't have to wake up today and say, did God change? Is he going to supply my daily needs today? I know he did yesterday and the day before, but I don't know, has God changed? No, God does not change. And everything good and perfect that we experience in this life is a gift from God. That's what this verse teaches. That God is our supply, that God is our provider. God is the one who, who meets all of our needs and meets them daily. Now, some of you will struggle with this idea because you'll say, you know, I've worked hard to earn a living. I've worked hard to earn what I have. I've earned it. I've labored, I've toiled, I've sweat, I've bled. What do you mean the things that I have are a gift from God? I've worked for these things. I've worked for the blessings in my life. I've I've worked to, to, to purchase my house or, or to pay for my mortgage. I've, I've worked for those things. I've worked for my car. I've worked for uh, all of the things that I have in my life. Check, check. I've worked for these things. What do you mean that they're a gift from God? I've earned them. But I want to ask you, where does your ability to work come from? 
Where does it come from? Who gave you that ability? Who supplies you with strength every day? Who gave you the ability to think? Consciousness. The ability to plan, to have forethought, to, to put plans into action, to have a vision, and to execute on it. Do you ever think about where your thoughts, your ability to think came from? It comes from God. God's the one that gave you the ability to work. God's the one who supplies your strength every day. God's the one who gave you the ability to think. What about the air you breathe? Everybody takes in a deep breath. I'm thankful that we still have air to breathe. Who do you think supplies that? Could you do your work without air? You know, every time, like, on a TV or a movie, somebody falls underwater, I always hold my breath, too. Does anybody else do that? And like, I'm already, I'm, I'm, I'm dead every single time. I've, I've drowned every single time. Like, I don't know how these people on TV can hold their breath so long. Like, without air, you, you, you've got 90 seconds, maybe. You've, max, 10 minutes, you're toast. Like, you depend on God all the time, all the time. Every moment of every day, you depend upon God. What about the food you eat? We're talking about bread. What do you think that, who supplies that? Well, the farmer, man, you know, here. Look, who causes the sun to rise? Who causes the rain to fall? Who causes the plants to grow? My God, causes all those things to happen. Who wrote the code for your DNA? Did you? We barely even found out we had DNA been around for a long time. We just barely found out about DNA. God's the one who designed you. He's the designer. He's the creator. He's the author and the giver of life. He's the perpetrator of your life. He's the one who keeps it going. He breathed his life into you, and that's why you're alive today. Every aspect of your life is completely and totally dependent upon Him. Every aspect. Jesus here is saying that we need, to, we need to realize where our life comes from. We need to realize who is our source. And we need to look to Him to supply our daily needs. Now, does that mean we don't work hard? No, of course we work hard. The Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Right, so, so, yes, we work hard. Actually, hard work brings glory to God. It's a good witness. Jesus worked hard on the cross. We, we reflect God's nature and character as we work hard. Hard work is godly. But we, un, we need to understand that God's the one who supplies my needs. Not my boss, not my company. Those are avenues of God's blessing in my life. God can take away one and bring in another. He's the one who's in control. Now, what we see is that Israel, when they were figuring this thing out, 
supply of manna, bread on the floor. God said to take enough for the day. Take enough for the day. But Israel loaded up, right? They, they, they took enough for a lot more than a day. And what ended up happening was it began to rot and to stink. And see, they did not trust God to pour out his blessings on the next day. And so they tried to hoard it for that day. Because they, listen to this, they wanted more than they needed. They wanted more than they needed. And if I'm honest with you, I want more than I need. And every single person in here, you want more than you need. Jesus is not saying, Lord, provide all of my wants. But he's talking about God supplying all of your needs. And the truth is that what I think I need and what God thinks I need, are, they're probably two different things. Um, God knows what you need. Matthew uh, chapter 6, earlier before the Lord's Prayer, it says God knows what you need even before you ask. Even before you ask, God knows what you need. And then in Philippians 4, God makes this promise to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The thing is that oftentimes we don't go to God with our needs. We go to God with our wants. And Jesus here is teaching us to go to God for our daily bread, for our daily provision, to go to God with our needs. And this is why, again, this progression of prayer is so important. We start with who God is and that he would be preeminent, that he would be hallowed. We move on to his kingdom, his nature, his will being done in our lives. And then we can start asking God for our needs. And if we walk through that progression of aligning ourselves with God and his kingdom and his will and his nature, the truth is that then when I get to myself, my perspective has totally changed. My desires have changed because I'm not living for my glory, I'm living for God's glory. And what does it take for me to live for God's glory versus for me to live for my own glory? The, 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 what, what is necessary to accomplish that oftentimes is totally different. And so what I think I need and what God thinks I need are probably two different ideas. And so I need, what I really need, is the right perspective. I need to have God's picture. I need to have God's understanding. I need to have God's vision. You know, the, one of the best examples that I can think of this in my own life, the difference between wants and needs, um, is many years ago um, when I was in youth group, which, which was many years ago, my goodness, 20 years ago, okay? So was, for me, that's a long time. Um, Anyway, 20 years ago, this, this bad idea and this bad teaching came into the church. Not just destiny, but the church world at large. 
And the, the bad teaching that came in was two things. Number one, God has one person for you, and you have to find the one right person or you'll never be happy in life. The second one was that to find that right person, you need to make a list of all of the things that you want in a spouse. And then you begin to pray that to God. That was the teaching at the time uh, that I sat under, not only at the church, at camps, all over the place. It was all over the place. How many of you heard something like that? Make a list of who your future spouse is to be, and then you take that to God and you pray it into existence, right? So I'm a kid in youth group, and so I start with my list. Number one, got to be hot, right? What do, what do you think we're, teenage boys are going to write? What are you guys thinking, right? I mean, obviously, hot. Number two, like smoking hot, right? All right, now moving on to number three. Okay, God, no, not, and it's not even going to God and saying, God, what, what, what do you think that I need? It was me saying, this is what I want. God, give it to me. Number three on my list, after hot and smoking hot, a little four-letter word called tall. Tall. Because I'm six foot whatever, I need to have a tall wife. Right? Right? Tall. Number four on my list was I wanted to have a, a on my list, this is 16 year old, I thought, you know what? I'm probably gonna be in ministry one day. I want a wife that has a personality like Ruth Bell. Just this like, you know, fire and brimstone and, and just like, you know, pedal to the metal, just intense woman, right? That, that was my list. And, you know, it just got worse from there, okay? And so about, you know, 11 years ago, I start getting to know this girl named Heather Pittman. Yeah. And in my mind, I believe she checks the first two boxes, right? So that wasn't a problem. But then now down to number two. She's like five foot on a good day. <laughs> She's not tall. You, of all the things you, all the words you could use to describe my wife, the one word you would never use is tall. She is not a tall woman. She's a petite gal, all right? And then her personality. She could not be... The, I mean, she's the opposite. She, she's not this, like, forceful, you know, pedal of the metal. She's laid back. She's relaxed. She's cool. Like, whatever's going on, she's, it's, it's, it's under control. It's cool. It's no problem. And I, I, I kid you not, I really, really struggled. I did because I had sat under this teaching that I needed to pray into existence this list of things I wanted. And here I find myself in love with this person that didn't line up with this list. And so I'm having to, and I know it sounds stupid, but I'm having to like work through that. 
God, I've been praying for this, but now I, you seem to be giving me something else. And the truth is, what we think we want and what we think we need and what God knows we need, totally different. Totally different. And honestly, if I had married a six-foot woman with the personality of Ruth Bell, we would have killed each other. There is like, it would have been a marriage from, from a, the, a bad place where the devil lives that's really hot. It would have been bad. It would have been a disaster. But God knows what we need even before we ask. And he promises to supply, to supply all of our needs, all of our needs, according to his riches and glory. And so I want to encourage you, if, if you are in a season of lack, has God provided for your daily needs? Yes, he has. We're all here today because God has provided for our daily needs. He's gotten us through every single day so far to bring us here. Every single day. The good days, the great days, the happy days, and also the not-so-good days. How many of you had some of those? But God brought you through it. He supplied your needs in all of it. He promises to supply all of your needs. And so when we come to the Lord on a daily basis, right, we come to the Lord daily and we say, God, I want you to be number one in my life. Help me to put you number one in my life. Help me to make your name great, to live for you and not for myself, for your kingdom and not for my own, for your glory, not for my own. Lord, that your kingdom would come in my life, that your will would be done. And Lord, thank you for supplying for me my daily needs. Lord, that you are going to give me what I need for today, that you are going to get me through. I know that you will because you always have. And Lord, with the extra, let me be generous. Let me have your vision, your understanding. Let me not hoard things up and that it would rot away, but let me use it to expand your kingdom and your reach and your influence in our world that needs a touch from the Savior. Amen. Amen. Now, in, in closing today, in John chapter 6, Jesus has a, an interesting statement. Jesus says this. He says, I am the bread of life. He says it another way. He says, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. He's saying when, when the Israelites ate that manna, it wasn't manna they were eating. They were eating from the supernatural supply that I provide. They were feasting on me, he says. And he goes on to say, unless you do likewise, you will never have eternal life. But if you will take of the supply that he offers, that Christ offers, what he calls the bread of life. He calls it his flesh and his blood, speaking of the cross. That we will have that nourishment, that spiritual food that will sustain us from the inside out. You see, it's not, it, it's not about the external things that really matter in this life. It's, it's really about 
what's sustaining us on the inside. We, we all see people all the time that, that have all of their physical needs supplied and provided for, even in an abundant way, yet they're walking through life like a corpse, dead on the inside. Because you can have it all together on the outside and still not have eaten of that bread of life, the cross of Jesus, his body broken for you, his blood shed for you. And that when we partake of that, we become alive on the inside and God sustains us on the inside, from the inside out through whatever challenge that we might face. 